0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of Noble Leaders. I'm so pleased to have Marianne Baton here with me today. She's the program director for Workplace Strategies for Mental Health.com. I would also consider her a workplace relations specialist. Um, she's definitely one of the most noble leaders I've met. She's always supporting staff and their success, and I can speak to this from experience. Um, and Marianne's also about noble conversations. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Um, Well, thank you for that introduction. (laughs) And the no bull is really that we have to be genuine as leaders. Mm -hmm. The idea that we're never going to let them see us sweat, that we're always going to be in control, that we're never going to show our vulnerability is the old way of managing. Mm -hmm. But today, today's workers, they see past that. And if they don't trust us, we can't really expect them to take a risk to be innovative to do their best to push forward on things and so if you can't get past your own sense of self of ego if you're always sort of bullshitting Mm -hmm. the people that work for you you're going to be less successful
0: yeah and i completely agree with you i think for me being a noble leader is about supporting employees Um, being open to conversations that we might be afraid of sometimes, but that we're also vulnerable with our staff, right? They do see us sweat sometimes. And I think by being vulnerable with our staff, we're opening up and creating a foundation for staff to feel comfortable being vulnerable with us when they've made mistakes, when they have challenges at work. Um, Inevitably, that's going to lead to us... um, it's going to lead to us not having to worry about them hiding things from us, you know, which then eventually becomes a huge issue in the long run.
1: Well, and you're exactly right. So what so many of the, Old school leaders would say, Is well, I don't want them to make mistakes. They should mm-hmm. be, you know, 100% on all the time. But anybody who thinks about it realizes that we all make mistakes. And what the harm is, as you've put forward, is hiding the mistake mm-hmm. rather than seeing it as an opportunity to move forward. I think it was Nelson Mandela who said he doesn't have trial and error. He has trial and learning. Mm -hmm. It's a way to try something out, I didn't succeed, and I can do better. And you know, you talk about vulnerability, and I can just see the eyes rolling out (laughs) there about, oh, great, we'll all talk about our feelings. And that's not what vulnerability means. It means being honest. It means being able to say, yes, I've made mistakes, I have stumbled in my career, and this is how I recovered so that other people can feel safe in doing the same and you can move everybody forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would say transparency is one of the biggest things you can do for yourself to make you a successful leader going forward.
1: So what would you say then, Sarah, to those or those leaders in organizations where there's a lot of things that they can't discuss, where transparency feels like then I'll get in trouble from my leader because I wasn't allowed to share any of this.
0: Yeah, I think I would definitely be open to talking about what staff already knows, right? I think along those lines, what we're kind of thinking of is um, big change in organizations. And I think by having an open conversation about, hey, we know there's going to be change here. Let's talk about maybe some of the worries we have, some of the overwhelm we're feeling. And let's think about, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? I know that can sometimes open a huge can of worms, but I think it's a strategy we use a lot, the what if technique, where you help people think about the worst that could happen, but while you're helping them think about, okay, what's the worst that could happen, you plan for the worst as well. So you say, okay, what if this does happen? What are our next steps in order to ensure um, that we're feeling supported going forward? And I think that's a part of a resiliency too, right?
1: Well, and being a proactive leader means that you tell your staff what you anticipate mm-hmm. as being the challenges even before you ask them. Because then they go, oh, you are thinking about us. You are thinking about the extra work. You are thinking about the extra pressure on us before you even ask us. And so it helps them feel that we actually care about their well-being as well as their productivity.
0: Yeah, that they're not just another cog in the machine that is our work environment. On that note, I wanted to ask you if you could give us an example of a time you witnessed a leader do something noble, whether it was for you or whether it was for someone you work with or someone you were, um, a client maybe that you were working with.
1: Sure. And it's a story that I tell a lot. It's a vice president who heard that His government agency was going to have their funding slashed Mm -hmm. in half, which he knew would mean that they would end up losing jobs. But he didn't know when or if this was actually going to happen. But of course, everybody heard it and the whole place was buzzing. And what this leader did is he came out to his staff and said, I only know what you know, what we've heard from the radio, what we've heard from the media, and I have no confirmation. But whatever happens, life will go on and we will rise up and we'll continue, whether it's in this career path or another. So let's plan that no matter what happens, we're all ready. I'm going to call in someone who can help you with your resume. So everybody dust it off, bring it in, and we're going to help you with it. If there's a skill that you'd really like to be able to put on your resume, but you haven't had that experience, we could give you an opportunity to shadow someone so that even though you may not be trained in it, you could say to someone, I've had some experience, I've had some exposure and be able to say that truthfully. We're going to bring in someone who's going to help you with refinancing, a financial planner who knows about remortgaging so that if you have to do that in order to manage through a transition, you can. We're all in this together. We're all going to look at how we can survive and thrive no matter what happens. And to me, he really was looking out for the best interests of his staff, but What he ended up doing is also reducing the fear that would have significantly impeded productivity during a time of great uncertainty.
0: Absolutely. And I think the piece that I took away from that was the we're all in this together. Because as a leader, he could have walked in, shut his door and said, I can't say anything until I know more and not not interacted with the staff whatsoever. But he really chose to rise up and and. Be there in the trenches with them
1: right mm-hmm. and that's what i've learned over time is that things that you can't discuss things that are uncertain whatever the facts are what we know for sure what we can discuss it is what it is we don't want to um, engage in the common enemy mistake where we say, oh, you know, that head office or that government or that whatever that's causing this. We want to um, not create a victim mentality, but to say this change, this thing that we're dealing with, it is what it is. Let's deal with it in a way that is as good for us as a team as it possibly can be. So we're not going to argue about the change because mm-hmm. we don't have control what we're going to discuss is how to do it in the best way possible for us
0: yeah absolutely i would say for me um my biggest moment as an employee seeing a noble leader was my leader saying i'll never throw you under the bus which probably sounds familiar to you because that's exactly what you said to me i think within like the first month i started working for you and you absolutely stood behind it. I still remember there was one time we were went into Toronto to do a webinar for one of your clients. Um, and those of you on the line, webinars never go well for me. There's always <laughs> some kind of issue that happens. Um, but this one was pretty smooth sailing. We got through it. Everything was recorded. We had a panel there with us speaking to some people, live, a live audience. Um, and then after the webinar, you looked at me and you said, okay, can you send me the recording so that we can then share it online with more people? And I kind of just had this moment of panic because I definitely didn't hit record. Um, and you as a leader could have absolutely gone to that client and said, you know what? I'm so sorry. We're not going to have this recording because my employee didn't hit record, but instead you took it on and you just said, I didn't record it. Um, what are our next steps going forward? And then we talked about, okay, what are we going to do in the future to ensure every step is covered, including record when we do webinars. And that was a huge moment for me where you really took the bullet and you could have totally tossed me under the bus, but as a leader, you didn't. And that was such a noble moment.
1: And yet it was also a no bull moment because had I thrown you under the bus, Mm What do you think would have been your reaction to me shaming you and blaming you in front of a client? Do you think you would have been better at your job? Absolutely
0: not. And I think it would have really fractured the relationship we had, right? I would have I would have lost trust. I would have constantly been anxious about um, any mistakes I made going forward, whether they're big or small, like even the littlest things how many times have I sent out an email to the wrong person and you've never been like, Oh, what a dumb move, Sarah. You've always been like, well, we're all human. Don't worry about it. Um, and so I think we were able to really create a healthy work relationship and it helped me grow so much because my leader prior to you was was very different and the complete (laughs) opposite. And so, um, I think it took me a little while to kind of feel that trust, not because you did anything to not make me trust you, but just my past experience kind of made me stumble a little bit. But then once that happened, it was just like, okay she's got me like she's gonna help me grow
1: well and so you think about you were an assistant Mm -hmm. you're now the executive director of a national Mm not-for-profit and you are a leader and an inspiration to many people so obviously (laughs) (laughs) the approach of not using shame and blame Mm -hmm. the approach of helping someone to be successful um, you are a shining example of why that works.
0: Oh, that's very kind of you. I couldn't have done it without um, such amazing mentors along the way, which obviously includes you as well. I also just wanted to get into what do you think has been your, as a noble leader yourself, what's been your biggest challenge in engaging teams or staff? I think
1: personally, uh, my weakness as a leader is I have um, the shiny thing syndrome, Mm -hmm. right? I want to do it all (laughs) and I get so excited about new ideas. But I'm a big picture idea systems thinker. I'm not a detail person. Mm -hmm. So I come up with this really grand idea But I forget about all the work that it's going to take and the amount of time and the amount of focus and detail. And sometimes in my excitement, I drag people through the mud um, and not always voluntarily. (laughs) So as a leader, what I've had to learn at at great um, effort on my part Mm -hmm. is to slow it down, is to have an idea and bring it to my team and say, what do you think how long will this take you what have i not thought about what what other steps can we put in place to try to reduce the impact and it's funny for me i continued on that way for many years until i heard that i was causing someone significant stress Mm -hmm. and that guilt that shame (laughs) was enough for me to really slow down Mm -hmm. uh reflect and reconsider My leadership strategy. And I often say to leaders, you don't have to take the blame for everything. If you have a toxic team, if you have somebody who's not doing their job properly, if you have conflict, but you have to take responsibility. You can't say, well, the reason my team is no good is because every single individual on it is an idiot. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you from looking at leaders who have said that, had they taken responsibility yeah. had they actually reduced the fear that their employees worked under they had some pretty great people mm-hmm. and it's almost inevitable that if we seek to raise every person up to their optimal energy and their optimal sense of contribution that any team's going to really flourish
0: mm-hmm. And just on that note, I remember that moment when you said, okay, I really do. You were very honest with us. And you said, I just get so excited about these projects sometimes. So I say yes. It was like you had your year of yes, but it lasted for more than one year. Um, But but what happened was you then also gave us some responsibility to question you when these new projects came up, right? And to say, okay, are we really thinking about the work that's going to go into this and the time? And I think one of the strategies we came up with was that we would consider, okay, how much time will this project take? And then we'd often double it yeah. um, to make it more <laughs> realistic for us so that we didn't have that overwhelm so that we were able to kind of breathe through it because inevitably there's more challenges and pressures that are going to come out throughout a project. But I think that's another aspect that's so important is involving your team in these challenges, but also having a conversation with them and Being vulnerable and being honest and saying what is it that I do that maybe causes you so anxiety or stress and how do we fix that? Yeah, yeah.
1: I remember that conversation. Yeah, and asking (laughs) asking you know what is it and you saying something to the effect that when I'm stressed I make noises. Yes, and I'm like what? And and I guess that when I'm frustrated that I actually am grunting and moving around and doing things and the idea that you believed that I didn't intend to stress you out Mm -hmm. was what allowed us to come up with our keyword, which is breathe, Mm -hmm. in order for me not to hear you scolding me or judging me or criticizing me. What I hear when you say that is, I care about you. You're obviously stressed. Yeah. I'm breathing in your secondhand <laughs> stress. And I believe you don't mean to do that. Yeah. That's what I hear. And so it's a very easy fix when we all give each other, um, as uh, someone says, the most respectful interpretation of mm-hmm. behaviors, that when we act in a way that's not ideal, that we believe that it there's a reason for it. And that we're not intending it to harm anyone. So we bring each other back to our better selves, if not our best.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I remember very well this past summer that I just had a lot happening. And I felt that a client was just asking a lot of me in the moment. And I was explaining to you how stressed I was and how unreasonable they were being. And you just said to me, you know what, I appreciate you, but you're being oppositional right now. (laughs) And if it were anyone else asking you this, you wouldn't think it was a big deal. And you were so right. And from that moment, I really realized that when I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, that's my go-to reaction, right? Is being oppositional, which as a leader can really affect your staff. Because if they're coming to you with ideas, with challenges, if I am not willing to listen to those ideas and instead I'm just like, the no girl like (laughs) nope I don't want to hear this this is how we're doing things how would we ever evolve how would we ever change and so since you told me that I've actually shared it many times with with clients when I'm facilitating with participants with friends and family so that they know and they've actually started calling me on it and have been saying hey you're sounding a little oppositional right now what's going on with you and like the breathing, thing, I know they're coming from a place of genuine care, and that they love me, and they just want to support me through whatever is happening.
1: Well, what's interesting about that story is yeah. that um, I've known you for what eight years, and <laughs> yeah. and and that happened. <laughs> I think once or maybe twice in all that time, which makes it harder when you're part of a team and suddenly somebody's behaving in a way that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust each other, then you can't call someone on it in a way that's not going to trigger a conflict or a fight. But building up trust um, after Some crisis has happened Mm -hmm. is much harder than building it up as part of your everyday, and that's why um, you were involved as well with the development of building stronger teams, where we've got those short, quick activities, conversations, Mm -hmm. really that build that team trust, cohesion, resilience, and you do it on a consistent, regular basis. rather than waiting for something to happen and then hoping you can build it overnight.
0: Yeah, trying to scramble and put out that fire while still managing all those work relationships going forward. Um, On that note, I really want to ask you, what are some successful strategies or tools or resources that you found to engage your team members, um, but also have them feeling like they're involved in the day-to-day work? So
1: I think, uh, first of all, when I have a new idea, mm-hmm. brainstorming it before I make a decision about <laughs> it, that, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Secondly, um, when I do give a directive or an instruction to someone is to say, tell me how you think you're going to be able to do this, what you need from me. And, you know, if, mm-hmm. if I'm worried about whether I've explained it well, um, I will say, tell me back how you understand this so that I'm really checking to make sure that what I intended to say, which is never what I actually say mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's so much going on yes. in my head, that what I intended is what they heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one of the most important things about leadership is get your ego in check. Oh, yeah. It's not about you, it's about you lifting everybody else up to do their best work so that the team succeeds rather than the command and control model. I mean, even when we talk about military, Mm -hmm. there's this concept called commander's intent. And when they would have a strategy in wartime to, say, take over a city, well, if someone dropped a bomb or something happened, the whole plan's gone to hell. Yeah. And so they realized that it was the end of that strategy unless the commander was very clear about the intent. So we're going to try and do it this way. If we can't, then we are going to go around it. But the ultimate intent is that you're to move forward to this location. Well, in workplaces, this commander's intent is If you can be really clear with a shared understanding with all of your staff about what your work is, why it matters, what the non-negotiables are, and how it connects to the greater good, to whatever purpose your organization serves, then if someone is in a place where they're not 100% sure and they know what the ultimate intent is, that's when you always should have their back. They were Mm -hmm. trying to do the right thing. They were going after the intent, but maybe something got in their way. Maybe a landmine blew up, whatever. But uh, yeah, having that, your ego out of the way and having clarity of understanding to me are the two major um, benefits to a team if their leader can really embody that.
0: I think one of the biggest lessons you've taught me as a leader is the idea that you don't have to be the expert in everything. And to this day, I still am weary of using the term expert whenever describing myself, because I think that sometimes that term can make us feel like we know everything and there's nothing left to learn. Um, so it really stunts our growth and development. But um, you really taught me that pull from others, like bring other experts in, learn from them, help them to develop and grow and to create a program or a project or an item or anything that is going to be even greater than what you could have done alone. And I think it is really about putting your ego in check. And again, back to that vulnerability piece of saying, you know what, I don't have the answer right now, but I'm going to locate it for you or find someone who can give it to you. Um, And I think that that has taken me so far. And it's also expanded the people I know, right? And I've been able to learn so much from those experts that then I feel confident recommending them or bringing them in on projects as well.
1: It's it's like you create your own support network Mm -hmm. by being collaborative with other uh, experts, other uh, professionals in your field. But the added benefit, quite frankly, is that everybody thinks your work is amazing. And it's because you collaborate. It's because you reach <laughs> outside of yourself. Funnel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you look at this, oh. the work on workplace strategies for mentalhealth.com, I, I would say 98% of everything that's on there was done in collaboration with Mm -hmm. people who knew more than I do about the various topics. Now, some of those people would say, oh, no, you know more. But the truth is it's not. It's that collaboration. I can take ideas from other people and anything that I thought of on my own is going to be enhanced and improved. And so with a team leader, um, the more you can encourage your own team to share what they already know but also to look for other ideas and to bring them to the team the better you look.
0: Yeah absolutely and I think with the whole commander's intent piece that you were talking about earlier I think that also brings in the idea of outlining for your staff member this is your job this is what's expected of you this is what you should deliver but giving them a sense of control over how that's done and absolutely in some in some sectors, there's going to be certain procedures that have to be done a specific way for safety, whether that's in the medical community or police or any kind of first responder. But I think you have also done a great job of really saying, this is our, this is our latest and greatest project. This is what the outcomes have to be. This is our deadline. How do we want to go about accomplishing this? And you've really made it a group decision, which I think Brings in the idea of commitment from your team, right? That they feel like they've been heard. They feel like they have a voice. um, They feel valued. And it gives them a sense of real ownership.
1: Which I think we need, if you really want me to be committed to something then I have to have some sense of ownership mm-hmm. in the development. Once I finish work, a lot of people say, well, isn't that your baby? No, my babies are now over six feet tall yeah. and a- <laughs> humans. But it, so I can let go of it. I don't I don't feel um, proprietary about anything. And of course, because the work I do gets to be out in the public for free, that makes it even easier. easier yeah. Yes. But, but in the development of it, I have to have that sense of passion of ownership of responsibility to really motivate me to do my best work and I assume that many other people feel the same way but what I did learn early on as a leader is that people are unique Mm -hmm. they're different and there are people who are like me that give me an idea let me run with it I can't wait to go but then there's also people that are critical to the success of any team who want to be told what to do and how to do it and to be very clear and specific in the instructions. Mm -hmm. As a leader, it's my responsibility to know the difference. Who wants to be said, go run, play, you know, just bring me this back. And who wants to be told step one, step two, step three, this is where we're going to have this milestone. And support people to be successful on their terms
0: mm-hmm. and how as a leader do you know the difference
1: usually by making the mistake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> usually by trying the wrong approach and yeah. then getting the pushback so it doesn't take long but the better way to do it yes. is to actually ask new hires yeah. or new team members tell me what stresses you out Tell me what kind of a challenge you like to take on. Tell me the things that give you energy at work and tell me the things that deplete your energy at work. Tell me the things you feel really confident in leading and taking on and, and being in charge of and tell me the things that you really need given to you specifically. So. Just ask them.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think also asking them, and you've always done a great job with this, is their goals, right? Like you told me very early on that for you, being a a successful leader means that you're building someone up, you're helping them grow, and eventually they might leave to go on to follow a different passion. But that for you, that means that they were comfortable with you, right? That they were able to learn and grow and they weren't kind of set in this box where that's where they were going to stay forever.
1: Yeah, I don't want them to leave because of me. Yes, but because of me, I want them to feel confident to leave. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: so true. That sometimes you just have to kick them out of the nest a little early because I think as leaders we can see their um, potential. Potential, yes, absolutely, their potential their skills, maybe before they're willing to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you got to have that tough love and just push them out there. Right. So that they can really use it and develop that confidence in themselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I
1: I think I remember watching that. Yeah,
0: (laughs) you definitely did watch it. Yeah. (laughs) And just to say another tool that I found really amazing, the kind of check in conversation that you had talked about earlier, asking about their challenges their mistakes, that sort of thing. Um, But another tool that you brought up earlier was building stronger teams, which I think is a great way to go about engaging your team in a conversation about how do we each communicate differently? How, what are our biggest challenges? What are our strengths? How do we use them at work? Because again, I think that can lead to a conversation about, okay, your strengths are very different than mine and maybe at times opposite. And that's when we're gonna have conflict working together. But I think there's also great exercises in there where we show appreciation for our coworkers and we show appreciation and gratitude to our team, which sometimes I think gets kind of brushed aside in the moment because there's so many other competing priorities. And if we don't do that, if we don't share with people how they're valued and their purpose, then I think they aren't as engaged as they could be.
1: Yeah, well, because many of us, myself included, especially if I'm not, physically well either Mm -hmm. and I've got a lot of pressure on me I start to have a lot of uh, self doubt and think you know well you're upset with me or you're not happy or whatever and in a leadership role not only is that kind of Mm self-indulgent to be worried about who likes us and who doesn't it can be very damaging to the people that you're leading and so we really need to have ways to Pull that back and have a different perspective. So, you're talking about building stronger teams, which is the conversations for the whole team in order to know each other. You talked about strengths and about conflict, but we can also use different strengths as Mm complementary. So, if your strength is detail and my strength is innovation, And I come up with the innovation, but I trust you and go to you to look at the detail and really um, help me plan in a way that's going to be effective. We can Mm complement. But you were talking, we were talking about if the leader themselves has um, fears or concerns, if they have perceptions about what others are thinking about them there's another great resource for teams called psychologically safe interactions Mm -hmm. and that one um is really to help us get beyond well i didn't intend to hurt you like you're just hypersensitive (laughs) to um maybe i should be more aware of the possible perceptions people could have Mm -hmm. of my behaviors. And maybe before I make an assumption about your motives, I should have a way to respectfully check in, check in with myself Mm -hmm. about my assumptions, and then check in with you to say, you know, I I don't know if you meant that, that, but I really heard that, that it was a criticism of me and that you're not happy with me. And the thing is, is if I can do that, whether it was all in my mind because I'm in a vulnerable position, or whether you actually meant it, once we get it on the table, it's going to be way easier for me to move forward, to move on. And then the last piece on psychologically safe interactions is helping other team members to intervene respectfully. So say I was in your face, speaking too loudly, and someone can see that you're just you know intimidated Mm -hmm. you're really sort of shrinking away from me and maybe I'm bullying maybe I'm not but it's obviously not a healthy interaction that somebody could come to me and say Marianne looks like you're really shook up about this or this is frustrating for you let's go and sit here and see if we can um, solve this what that would do for me is go oh what was I doing like oh yeah I guess I was getting too intense and yeah. I thought I was passionate <laughs> and, <laughs> and you think I'm intimidating but the point is is it doesn't matter what I intended if we understand that yes we've got good intentions but sometimes that's not the way they're received mm-hmm. we call each other on it
0: right? yeah absolutely and I think it also what I love about that tool is I think it's a conversation within a team so everyone's very aware of what the expectations are and I think it holds people accountable to their actions because like you said it could be so easy for me to say well it's not me it's you um, without taking any accountability for my actions but instead not only am I holding myself accountable my team is holding me accountable for my actions by in a safe way with that piece I believe it's called moral courage within the tool and it's just so important to I think sometimes give people the power to approach someone in a supportive way to say hey you're just not acting like yourself right now what's going on rather than us going to our coworkers and saying oh my god did you just see what Marianne did like what is up with her and then coming up with our own ideas about what's going on instead of really having that conversation one-on-one with them
1: that's why i like the two words together moral mm. and courage because it takes courage to you know get up in somebody's face and say you're in her face get away you're just being mean or you're being intimidated or but then we're bullying the so-called bully yeah. that's not moral courage that may be courage mm-hmm. but and then going behind somebody's back and talking about it isn't moral or courage. Yes. And so how do we combine those two things to really um, give people the tools and the power to respectfully intervene?
0: Yeah. Um, just before we wrap up, I just want to talk about kind of our takeaways from this conversation. So I think for me, the biggest takeaway as a leader to really engage my team is to just have conversations with them. You know what I mean? To stop and ask them what's going on with them, to ask them what their challenges are, um, but in a way that is honest, that's truthful, that's transparent and genuine. Um, So for me, that's probably my biggest takeaway. And I think all of the tools you listed are great ways to start those conversations. So you talked about building stronger teams. We talked about psychologically safe interactions which can all be found on WorkplaceStrategiesForMentalHealth.com. But we also talked about kind of like a check-in about maybe something they could do weekly about, hey, like what's happening with you? Let me know what's going on. Um, But it doesn't necessarily have to focus just on work. I think those check-ins which is very easy for us because we work in the same office but that we don't always focus on work right we just have conversations about what's going on with you personally you know what are what are the things you're excited about what's going on with you this weekend and then we check in and follow up about hey how did that go this weekend and i think that can build such a rapport with someone too
1: So just to say to those leaders who are terrified Mm -hmm. to ask people about their personal life because they might tell them (laughs) um, is that you can ask those questions. And when they tell you about, you know, the relationship problems and their fights with their neighbors and whatever, and Mm -hmm. then just say, oh, you know, that sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. I've got some resources that may be helpful. But in the meantime, is there anything I can do to help you? To be successful while you're here at work. Mm -hmm. So if you're afraid of it, (laughs) um, you can still start the relationship where people feel safe to share with you. You don't have to give them advice. You don't Mm -hmm. have to um, delve into their personal issues if you're not comfortable with that. On the other hand, my um, no bull approach is I'm a whole person Mm -hmm. and my whole life comes with me to work and so does the people around me what you choose to share or not share is up to you personally but the idea that I'm going to come to work and only be focused on work 100% of the time uh, will reduce my productivity not increase it Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to have the energy for this facade instead of having the energy to do my best work.
0: Yeah, I think that's also a very old school way of thinking, right? The idea that your personal life stays at the door to our organization and then you step into your work life and that's just not how people function. And I think think it's unfair to ask them to function that way, you know what I mean? Because you're absolutely right that your personal life follows you into work and that if you're struggling to mask what you're feeling emotionally it's going to show in your work in your productivity going forward Marianne I just want to say thank you for bringing your whole person <laughs> here to this interview today uh for this podcast I really appreciate this honest noble conversation and uh we hope to have you back to talk with us again